It is time for another journey deep into the lining of the magical talking hat. Hat wranglers Tony and William reach into the yawning chasm that is the hat and pull forth the questions you have posed. Will they tire of your question quickly? Is your name Azure Talon? Then perhaps they will. But then perhaps not. But that will remain a mystery until we venture into the magical talking hat. Happy New Year. It's 2024. I don't know about you. My 2024 feels very similar to my 2023 so far. So far. Yeah, me too. Pretty similar. <laughs> Let's do this for hours. Let's look at each other and occasionally go. It'll be better than what we usually do. And shake our heads. <laughs> the holidays are over and I am not yet recovered. It takes a while for sure. Are you usually <laughs> recovered by your birthday? So, I mean, that's like three weeks in. Do you feel I don't know. I'm not sure I am. Like, this is actually a thing right now. We're taking a trip for my birthday. Mm. Not just for my birthday, because for my sister-in-law's birthday, because it's her 40th. So we're doing yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, I think you have mentioned that already. Now that I and it again. it's gonna be fun, I'm sure. And right now, I would love to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is not enough time in between, but it's not like it's gonna be an active one. It's mostly gonna be us sitting around a really nice cabin in the woods doing nothing. So I'm not too worried. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not there yet. Um, this is also the time period I still can't buy things for myself because mm -hmm. I might get them as birthday presents. So mm -hmm. oh, that's a thing to watch out for. Um, oh. Not that I have any money at the moment. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it takes a bit. And then, of course, the seasonal affective disorder kicks in, and that's why I'm going to be a cowboy for months. Nobody, nobody talks to me. I'm just going to be a cowboy. Um. <laughs> To that end of recovery, it looks like we've suddenly gotten a lot of active comments on the blog and things. I have looked at zero of them. So apologies to our listeners. I'm sure William filled in the gap because he doesn't have a lot going on. Um, no, not, not really. But I will get to them. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Magical Talking Hat podcast. The only podcast in the world that turned into a hardcore pornography channel so gradually no one even knows. Uh, I'm Tony. And I'm William, and this is episode 668. I mean, I, I didn't even notice that. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen someone with the <laughs> I just realized I've been doing hardcore porn look on their face. But you yeah, had yeah. it. This is nice. Yeah. I hope somebody screen captures thing. that moment. He's I like, guess it's a thing. Wait a second. <laughs> and then you put that. Oh. It explains that is one of those, a few things. That is one of those great Simpsons jokes that just keeps giving. That's from the Simpsons. Long, long ago. Decades ago. 
Marge has a line. They turn off the TV and she says, I think it's I think it's one of their first like in the future episodes. And she <laughs> says something about Fox turned into a hardcore pornography channel so gradually I didn't even notice. Um for those of you just joining us, welcome 2024. This is part of our 13th year. This is our 13th calendar year of making this podcast, and we have learned nothing. Um, if you're just joining us, we have a hat. It is magical in that it has its own email address, themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com. And people write into that email address, themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com, with whatever the crap they want. And then we have to talk about it, except that we spend a lot of time not doing that also but i mean if we got to define this as something that's what it is the hat magic emails here we are here we are i forgot to do my i haven't seen you since last year joke it's the only (laughs) time you get to do it i told the kids i was like are you telling all your friends i'll see you next year because that this is the only time you can do that joke and that joke is never not funny at this time only if you did it any other time it'd be insane but it wouldn't make any sense yeah but then the counter is later you'd be like I haven't seen you since last year Mm -hmm. so anyway how's your year been uh good Uh, so we had the kids over for New Year's, and that was nice. We finished watching Reacher, which, oh yeah, you know, wasn't Time great, but it was it was okay. It's interesting. I would not have picked that as a show either of you would have had any interest in. Um, so you're right; it's not a typical thing. Um, but there were some actors in it in the first season that we liked, and that that can do it. And and we liked their performance, so we kept watching it. And I mean, it wasn't, it's like, you know, it's not our thing usually, but it was, it's not unwatchable or anything. And, and when you have good actors that you like in it, okay, that helps. Yeah. This season, um, one of those actors wasn't in it. And, but, but they, they made, they had enough stuff in it that kept it interesting. So we went ahead and watched it. It's, it's not great TV. It's not like I would recommend it, but we did. We did watch it, so I'm saying so. And we're watching the latest season of Fargo. And um, so are we. also, also, so to me, this season of Fargo is like when you watched Nolan's Batman's, you know, the first one, and then you watch the second one, and then you watch the third one, and it's like, I don't think Nolan participated in this third one at all. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like a Nolan Batman movie. Fargo this season doesn't feel like the other Fargos at all. A hundred percent. And on, yeah. on on in the credits, it is the same people. I know. Noah Hawley wrote and direct the first two episodes, but it absolutely feels like someone who was a fan of the Fargo series <laughs> made a TV show. Like, not very well. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. The perf- there are some amazing people in it, and they all give incredible performances. Yeah, so it's but worth watching. The show is just really nasty, grotty set pieces mixed in with so many monologues and i know it's supposed to be fargo so monologues are part of the deal but that's all anybody does we have entire scenes just for someone to give a vaguely philosophical monologue and then leave um 
there is no in my opinion there is not the emotion the the moral gray to it there's just a lot of shitty people and then some people who kind of aren't shitty um some of the characters i mean and again it's 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 fargo so i'm trying to hold myself back and be like we're gonna have an episode all dedicated to this one little character and there's gonna be all this stuff but for right now some of the major characters have no personality to speak of in my opinion Mm -hmm. um the only character i care about is the swede and that's because he's amazing i don't know what the fuck he is but he's amazing he's the only real fun part of the show um and yeah it's it's it it fargo had to handle their outright villains very carefully billy bob thornton in the first season uh the british dude with the bad teeth in the third season like these were sort of almost supernatural evils we have none of that here. We just have a lot of shitty people with some very hard on their sleeve life philosophies that I'm like, you're just an asshole. John Ham being the best one, John Ham's son being another one. I'm like, I am not interested in these characters. These are assholes. These are asshole misogynists. <laughs> there's no depth, there's no complexity. They just suck. And they are some of the biggest characters in the show. Yeah, and they're they're uh, over the over the top in a not very entertaining way, not entertaining at all way. And Jennifer just... Jason Lee's character just tells me somebody's really mad at capitalism, which I can <laughs> relate to, but that's all that tells me. Mm. Um, it's just yeah. I'm like I don't, I don't like anyone. I'm not interested in where this goes. If I wasn't watching it with Trish, I would probably stop. It's not. We are not entirely caught up. We are, I believe, five episodes in. I didn't realize how many episodes it was, so I thought we were basically done, and then I'm like, oh, we only got one or two more, and then I looked, and suddenly there were a bunch more, and I'm like, oh, shit. The season's not done. So, But yeah, I'm I'm really unhappy for all that I love the people. There's some really great people that I don't get to see enough that are doing amazing jobs. Um, But I, yeah, no. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with that one. And we watched the uh, latest season of Only Murders in the Building. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was really good. The The first season was good. Second season was, I mean, if you like the show, you'll like watching it, but it just it just didn't wasn't as good as the first season. This season yeah, yeah. was very, very good. I, I always talk about Martin Short's performances and these things because to me, he's like, his he's just it's just genius performances. Everyone else does a good job too, but I'm always impressed. If they have if there's a really great scene, like you 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 know the scene's over and you're like that was a perfectly made scene. It was written well, it was acted well, it was shot well. He's in it and he's a big part of what made it perfect. I mean I I I've I've always thought Martin Short was a good comedian and everything, but I was I've never been impressed with him particularly as an actor. But man, he's just knocking it out of the park. So yeah, I I totally recommend watching that show in general. If the second season disappoints you a little, go ahead and watch the third one because I thought it was the really really good. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. But um, so yeah, but that you know because Abby was off last week, so we got to kind of catch up on oh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and we played a lot of we played a lot of Diablo also, so that was fun. So, 
What about you? What did you what did you do for the last week? Um, very little, and I liked it that way. <laughs> um, let me look what's on the thing. I don't think there's time. I've been watching dumb movies. I am uh, pleased to say. Oh, whoa! I should talk about what we have been watching. Okay, so we have been watching. We finished Poker Face. What will I believe be the first season of Poker Face? Um, it is a fun show. I mean, I do recommend the show. It's one of those things again with cozy mysteries. Like, don't watch it for the mystery. Like, that's not the point. Uh, I do love that every single episode was way weirder than I thought the show could get every time. Like, every episode, I'm like, that was weird. Next one, I'm like, that was really weird. The next one, I'm like, this show is weird. Like, and it just escalated the whole time for 10 episodes. I was like, these are some bizarre things. It's very surreal in what I think of as a kind of Ryan Johnson way where, like, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and just bits and pieces, you're like, that's not how a person would act normally, but in this sort of heightened environment, it works. And I mean, Natasha Leone's a, a rock star. I love her. She really is kind of a one note at this point, but I enjoy that note a great deal. So that's fun. Um, and a bunch of big stars come on because it's only for like one episode. I'd say there's a spoiler because if you see a really famous celebrity in the list, you know they're going to be the murderer or the victim. But again, as we established, it's a how catch him. So you always figure that out pretty early. Yeah, so that's interesting because Columbo was that kind of thing. Yes, yes. Like how, you know, how to catch him or whatever. And and as I thought of that, I realized she shares a lot in common with him, really. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, oh, very much. Yeah. She frequently, she doesn't say one more question, but she has a lot of moments that are very like that. Yeah. She's definitely giving big Columbo energy in a lot. Of yeah, yeah, things. yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we've seen like one or two and we liked them. I don't remember yeah. what interrupted our watching it. And we'll, we'll probably get back to it. Well, eventually. and they don't really hang together there is an overarching story and it does occasionally show up in places but mostly it just means that this one character shows up at the end of an episode and you're like oh he's close um and then at the end of the season it does resolve that story mm. while very clearly setting up what you the way you can keep this going um, and as as far as I know, I mean, the the strike has thrown everything out of the way. But as far as I know, it was very popular and is renewed for a second season. So hmm. Hmm. I'm excited for that. But um, now we are on to the second season of After Party on Apple, which we we really enjoyed the first season. Uh, we've only watched one episode, but you know, it's good so far. Okay. Um, it is a little bit scary, so. Trish watched this show on Apple called Blackbird. And it is everything I hate about a television show. It is some really good actors doing a really awful story based on a true story. Mm. It's Taron Egerton as this guy who's a criminal of some kind that we don't hate him. I don't know. He probably robbed from rich people or whatever. Anyway, he ends up taking a plea deal where he goes into prison 
undercover to become friends with this guy who they're pretty sure raped and killed a lot of young girls mm. and but they can't get him to admit or he claimed to be crazy i don't know for some reason they can't convict him on a lot of these and he'll probably get out of jail unless they can get more info and so he goes in to do this and it's awful even trish who watched the whole thing it's like it's awful it is mostly watching taron egerton in jail having conversations with this creepy guy with these giant sideburns and this weird high-pitched voice that sounds very effective and is very sort of whiny just talking about creepy shit and and it's one of those like you know he's definitely guilty and it's just it's just very uncomfortable and i've been in the room for some of it and he has this very sort of lilting voice that makes it all the worse and he's a very he's a very large man and he has his facial hair and the little mutton chop thing and all that and it's just him talking about his views on women and they are not good um and again based on a true story so real fun anyway point is in after party one of the many this one this murder is set at a wedding a destination wedding kind of thing and so all the wedding attendants are around and all guests and everything and one of them is an ex of the bride and he's a very stereotype he wears a fedora he's always wearing suits even when other people aren't he's asking people if they're into cryptocurrency he assumes he is much more attractive than other people think he is most and i was watching it i'm like that guy's uh, this guy's cracking me up trisha's like that's the guy from black like that's the guy with the mutton chops and everything and i looked and i'm like oh my god so now I like hate him, but I'm also really impressed with his acting skills because this is could not be a different role for him. Mm. But yeah, so after party's fun. Um, I hit what I think is an important milestone. I have finally watched the first four Hellraiser movies. Oh, interesting. And people would say to you, Tony, why is four uh, an important number? You're saying the first four. I assume there are more. Which is correct. There are, I believe, like 11 of them at this point. Oh my gosh. I believe. It's either 10 or 11. Or, if you're somebody who's familiar with Hellraiser, you'd be like, why? The first one's good. The second one's okay. And then everyone in the world agrees that they suck after that. <laughs> Across the board. Why the first four? And and I say to you, uh, have you met me? I watched Terrible Things. But also, the first four movies are a plot. The first four movies follow a plot. Um, the movies after that are all, as near as I can tell, variations on, here's a character you've never seen before. Here's them being involved in some creepy shit and trying to solve a mystery. And there's all sorts of gross monsters and things. And then at the end, Pinhead shows up and is like, actually, you're dead. And this is hell. <laughs> the end. And that's basically what all the movies are at this point. But the movie, the first four are an actual story. Albeit a terrible one. The third and fourth movies are very bad. The fourth one is kind of impressively bad in its dialogue. Like, I don't think you can accidentally write lines that bad. But <laughs> now I've seen it and now I feel I, I, I feel in a more knowledgeable place to speak on Cenobites. Oh. Which is really all that I've ever. <laughs> um, it is funny. Hellraiser is a very hard series for me because I don't like any of them. They, they, the, 
the point of the Hellraiser movies is, in my opinion, lots of gore and freaky ways to kill people and freaky effects and stuff. And while I'm not necessarily bothered by that, that's never why I seek something out. But the problem is I keep seeking out the Hellraiser movies because the concept, or at least the initial concept, behind the Hellraiser movies is very cool. This idea that there's this puzzle box and people who are are hedonists and too extreme and they've just run out of their numb inside. They've this legendary puzzle box. And if you open it, these beings will show up and, and take you to new heights of sensation. And what they really are are beings from another dimension who are have followed sensation to the point that they don't really have a distinction between pleasure and pain. They are obsessed with the point at the end. And so what really happens when you open the puzzle box is they come and they take you away and they torture you for all eternity. And it's a neat idea. Very soon it becomes, no, they're pretty much just demons. They're, they're basically the devil. And a lot of, and then we have to get into the origins of the puzzle box and why it got made. And, and yeah awesome. but just that original idea because originally they were very amoral they weren't evil creatures they were just interdimensional beings obsessed with sensations and things like that and, and admittedly took it to extremes and it's really awful and da -da, but like they weren't they weren't there was no you know this is your you you're being judged there was no judgment involved or punished. You're not really being punished. Yes, either. yes, you're not being punished either. Um, and conceptually, I find that fascinating. And there's yeah, a lot okay. of material to work with there. And there were books that, is interesting. that did this stuff uh, very quickly, though. It's just like, no, they're they're just nasty demons. It, it, it's, it might as well be a Ouija board. You Ouija boarded the, the bad guys, and, and they look cool. They look very cool S&M bloody, freaky stuff. But... So I get very sad about those. Um, speaking of, though, I want to talk about a trope that has re recently hit me. Near the end of a movie. Any movie, take your pick. During the climactic battle, the villain says something along the lines of, I can't die. And this is always immediately followed by them being killed. I mean, take your pick on what level. Why are villains saying this slash why are writers still writing? this? <laughs> because without fail, if you say I cannot die, I am immortal or or Lord of the Rings, I cannot be killed by a man or whatever. You know, there's always they're always like you have no hope and then immediately die. And it's it's to the point now where it always feels comical to me. <laughs> it's always like the villain accidentally just said Jumanji and is gonna get sucked into like it's it's like, oh you done fucked up now by by bragging about your unkillability. Uh it came up in the fourth Hellraiser again too. People were like, I am eternal. I'm like especially because I'm always like, how would you know? Like, I haven't been killed yet, slash, things have happened to me that should have killed me and didn't. <laughs> Not the same as I cannot die. 
And a lot of villains that say it, I'm like, you don't like sometimes there are villains who like got the ancient power of the of the death god, blah, blah, blah. And with that comes the inability to die. But even then, they usually get killed. But there's a lot of them that are just like, no, I just kind of assume at this point I'm so badass. I've come back for sequels enough times that I'm just going to assume I'm important. And I don't understand it. Why do they keep saying it? <laughs> not it's not accurate it's not i made sure you should watch name of the rose you ever see name of the rose with sean connery and uh yes and and christian, christian slater baby baby christian slater little tiny christian slater yeah, although he, he still really got know. the and credit on it which was weird because he, he hadn't really... That was like two years before Heather's. He wasn't much of anything yet. He'd done a few things, but he wasn't significant. Um, every time I see that movie, I have very strongly different reactions to it. Hmm. There's a lot to that movie, which I actually think is there's a lot to the book it's based off of, and there's actually not a lot to that movie. Um. This time I was very keenly aware that there were a lot of parts that I'm like, this is not holding together very well. I'll bet in the book this made way more sense. But this time around, it was a, Trish pointed this out. It is an interesting portrait. So for those of you not familiar, Name of the Rose is a movie. William's all frozen up, so I'm just going to explain to the rest of you. Name of the Rose is a movie set in the 14th century um where a bunch of monks are going to an abbey to have a debate over christianity i don't know but people are dying in the abbey and luckily uh a monk by the name of sean connery shows up and is literally just sherlock holmes in the 14th century like very much to the point that at one point he refers to something as elementary and like they wait a beat to be like, ah, ah. Um, but that's the whole thing is he's a detective in he's a detective monk in the 14th century and people are dying and it looks vaguely like it could be the apocalypse. Um, it's really, I mean, it's not gorgeous. It's actually made to look very dirty and nasty, but it's really spectacular in terms of set design and and how it's filmed and everything um it is also what i noticed this time a lot and trish mentioned this too it gives you so at the, the historical period in question abbeys and monasteries in addition to being their stated things are really the closest they've got to asylums and there's a lot of people that go and live a monastic life because basically they have mental health issues that the rest of the world can't cope with. And that is not addressed specifically in Name of the Rose, but a whole bunch of the characters clearly just like have issues that society at the time would not deal with. So they've been cloistered in these these abbeys. And so that was kind of interesting. It's a long movie. It's like two hours, which... Surprise me because not a ton happens in it, but I don't know. I never go so far as to say it's a good movie, but I've never regretted watching it. And I've watched it several times. Mm. I think I've only seen it twice. First time I saw it, I didn't make much of an impression. 
the second time I saw it, I was surprised that it made any impression at all because the first time it didn't really make much of an impression. But I can't recall what that impression was, especially. I mean, I think I just could appreciate aspects of it that I couldn't appreciate because I'd seen it maybe 10, I don't know, 15 years before. Because it, and when did it come out? It's, it's pretty old now. 84, I think. It was yeah, the 80s, yeah. it was so, mid 80s. I mean, I think I saw it like the first time I saw it was on a like a videotape or something in college. And it's like, eh, I don't care. And then the next time I saw it was probably on Netflix. So, and on a disc from Netflix. So, a long time ago, but a long time between when I saw it on a VHS tape and when I saw it getting on yeah. Netflix. And uh, so, you know, I often see movies. 15 or 20 years later and I see things in it that I just didn't appreciate before because you change, right? You grow up, you have, have certain experiences. But I also have the opposite. I'll watch movies and I'm like, this movie is the most amazing thing ever. And then later I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Both happen. And so, so I think I did, I did appreciate it more the second time I saw it. Um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, you know, I, I didn't add it to our collection or something. I mean, it was it was a better film than I re had recalled, but not so good that I thought, hey, I, I should tell everybody how great I think this film is now. But um, but you're right. I it think, does. It is shot well, shot very well. I think I disliked it as a kid when I first saw it because it is it is very dirty. It's very grungy on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything is lit very poorly. Everyone's dirty. Everything's <laughs> nasty. The death. It it's not a horror movie in my opinion, but the deaths when you find the bodies later are pretty gross. Um, and it is it is spooky if you're a young impressionable child. There's lots of oh, it's dark in here. What's happening? So I remember not particularly like in the early days and then i saw it later and i was like oh there's a lot here and now it's still it's one of those weird ones and as i get older i get more and more of these where i can't settle on an opinion because certain aspects of it are so good and certain aspects of it are so bad that i really just have to say what do i think about this movie well it's comic yeah, yeah. but it's one that is very fun to pick apart in terms of like that was a really good decision on their part. Mm, that was mm, a really bad. Or mm. I think the filmmaker might have actually been trying to say this just poorly. Or the filmmaker ignored all of this messaging that I don't think was intentional, but is really inappropriate. And yeah, it's it's just an interesting one to sort of... The one I always hold up is a movie that I haven't seen in years that's a biopic about T.S. Eliot, I think, called Tom and Viv. And what I remember most about it is every single aspect of that film was either incredible or terrible. <laughs> and I can't remember all the specifics, but it was like the acting was great. The editing was crap. The writing was great. The shooting, like I just every single thing was like <laughs> some of the best I'd seen and some of the worst I'd seen in such weird ways that I'm like really into that movie. But I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. Same kind of deal. I should yeah. really watch that, see if I feel that way again. I mean, I, I think Name of the Rose, I think aesthetically was really trying to make the viewer 
to transport the viewer to a time that was cold and dark and superstitious and scared and scary. I think it did a yeah. pretty good job of that. I mean, I think I think when you watch it, you you always feel like God, I'm glad I don't live in that time and place. That would be terrible. I think it succeeds in that. I don't know how what else it succeeds in uh, that it's trying to do. Also, but... it's got a Ron Perlman in it without Guillermo oh, del Toro and just fully <laughs> off the leash. He is acting the shit out of this yeah, thing. I, and it's I forgot about that. hilarious slash gross because he's clearly like developmentally has an issue or whatever. And he... he and he just does all sorts of crazy stuff. And his whole deal is that he doesn't speak in one language. He's constantly switching English, Italian, Latin, Spanish. So so it comes out as gibberish to most people because he just like switches around for no reason. I mean, um, he went through a phase where that's the only kind of gig he could get. Oh, yeah. Quasimodo some, or something like this. Guillermo del Toro saved his life. Chronos uh, happened. And ever since then, Ron Perlman has had a steady gig where he gets like really good speaking parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets well, to and, act and, other and than he's just never not in a Guillermo del Toro movie. He's, I, I believe he's literally been in every single one because Kronos was, or at least feature like one because Kronos was the first feature like that. He was in that and he's, in, he's in all of them. Sometimes it's a small part, but he's in all of them. the two are just like best friends and he does other stuff. I mean, I grew up, my love of Ron Perlman is my mom and I would watch Beauty and the Beast, the TV show with Linda Hamilton, which, again, I hadn't seen Terminator. So to me, Linda Hamilton is beauty from Beauty and the Beast. And Ron Perlman is the cat looking dude named Vincent. Because that was his beast was he had long hair and he had kind of a cat muzzle. That was it. Um, yeah, I guess I guess he got to do some acting in that. I never watched that, but we, I, I we loved that. I shouldn't and, say he doesn't act only in these years later other things he does it's it's hard to play those parts but i mean act is in like a leading man type of acting where you you no, know no. you get to really i don't know you know what i'm talking about and and yeah. uh they just didn't give him he's because i don't know something about how he looks or his size or whatever yeah they thought, i don't oh, i don't gonna, think he's considered leading man material yeah he's gonna he's gonna grunt or he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be a character that doesn't get to say very much or is gonna be all in makeup or whatever like okay only, but only he, good Hellboy. I love David Harwood, but a very on, good Hellboy. Good he was a very yeah. good Hellboy. So yeah, but um, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to diminish him. those other acting jobs because they're also yeah. difficult and hard and challenging. He was great in them, but and to be fair, I I, I love Ron Perlman. Eighty percent of what he's in is pretty garbage, <laughs> and it's not his fault necessarily, but yeah. just he's in crap, and it's fine. I like crap, but I'm not going to pretend that Ron Perlman should be getting any oscars or anything he delivers though i mean i, I he think does. everything i've ever seen him in he's he like, does what he's yeah but he he is i mean he was in fucking mutant chronicles like he's just <laughs> he, he's in some really bad things yeah um, well but but he yeah he always he always delivers and actually chronos is one of his better roles in my opinion because he's he's an actual person yep and yep. not like a mutant or anything like right that. right <laughs> um I lose track. Mutant, monster, devil, whatever. No, he's just a dude in that one. Uh, but yeah, so Name of the Rose was a fun revisit there. Not a lot else going on, though. And that's how I like it. So 
It's trying to get back to normal. We still have leftovers. We're getting to the point where stuff's either going to go in the freezer or the trash because it's been a while now. But I have yet to have to really do much shopping. So, uh, New thing this year, we apparently have some emails, so maybe you should read one of those. Mm. All right, let's see. One of them big juicy emails. I hope it's not in reference to comment comments people have made because I'm bad and I'm not on them, but I will get on them. The uh, title of this email is Candy. It's from Azure Talon. Mm, candy. Um, dear low level functionaries of the apocalypse. Oh, well, he got the memo on that, I guess. Mm. Uh, proving that I'll buy anything a McElroy tells me to, I've bought Chupa Chupa. Chupa Chupa? Chupa Chups? Chupa. What is Chupa it? Chups? All right. yeah, Chupa, Chupa Chups? All right. Yeah. Chupa Chups are a thing. Chupa Chups. I thought that. I don't have my glasses. It's not like so it's that'll... handwritten. I know, but I'm supposed to have glasses and I don't wear them. So up your font size, Grandpa. I, I know. I could just make it bigger, but whatever. Uh, I'd have never noticed random lollipops without Griffin pointing them out, but they are good. What other lesser known treats are hiding out there? Azure Talon totally listening to the answer on Raycons, which does not sponsor on this Raycons. Podcast. Nice. Does not sponsor this good? podcast. Yeah. I mean, people advertise um, them all the time. So. They do. That doesn't necessarily mean they're good. Uh, and to be fair, they stick into your ear, so I don't want them. But uh, people do advertise them a lot. Uh, for those of you not in the loop, which is apparently uh, also Azure Talon. So in the U.S., we have a sucker called Dum Dums. I'm looking for some sort of acknowledgement from you that you've heard of Dum Dums. Uh, well, yes, I've heard of them. They're also a very popular thing for like doctor's offices or banks to have yeah, for the kids yeah, yeah. To, to grab because they're very small and they're very cheap dum-dums. Yeah, yeah, and tasty. I love dum-dums. Um, I believe they are unique to the U.S. Oh, I have I never seen them outside the U.S. or heard of anybody. Chupa Chups are essentially dum-dums in the rest of the world. Oh, okay. And I don't know how much of the rest of the world, but I do know that they are commonly known and accepted by everyone in both Mexico and the UK. So to me, that's probably a pretty broad spectrum. Canada too, I suppose. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I try not to talk to them. <laughs> um, and I like them. But to me, they're basically dum-dums. Okay. Well, I've never had them. And so. my favorite dum-dums are the mystery flavors, so. Mm. ever since I saw the episode of Unwrapped where they talked about dum-dums and I found out that the mystery flavor is just in between flavors oh in between what flavors they're running them through the line so like they're running like blueberry through the line and then they're going to switch to root beer so they don't clean out the line they just put the root beer in and all the ones that aren't 100% blueberry or 100% root beer become mystery flavor Oh, hmm. so you uh, really don't why, know what you're getting. 
Well, and I was always wondered because I, I already knew I would open up mystery flavors that were not the same color as other mystery flavors I had had before. So I'm like, so it's not a single thing. But yeah, apparently it's that. And I was like mixing flavors like that. In fact, hmm. you know what my favorite drink was growing up, soft drink wise? Mixing them all together? No, no, although I did that a lot. Yeah. No, my favorite, and I do not know why, it just hit the right combination for a unique flavor that I really enjoy. Root beer, lemonade. It makes this very weird tang that you kind of can't achieve with anything else, and I really like it. Oh. It's very tasty. Uh, it is almost a mystery flavor of beverages. I was going. But yes, up. I did also mix them together a lot. If someone, so if you're working at the concession stand at the football field or something or whatever, which I sometimes did, if someone came up and said they wanted a suicide, it just meant they wanted a little bit of everything. Yeah. Which I never thought tasted like anything at all. Just like the flavors didn't mix or mingle very well. It just tasted like a sweet nothing to me. I would. I would incline to to agree. Um, I mean, it never tasted bad, but yeah, sort of just generic in a way. Yeah, nothing. Um, I liked the impact on other people, like showing off by doing that. <laughs> uh, we called it a zombie, but both are, I, I think there are other terms as well. Yeah. Um, and especially if it's self-serve, I would do that. And I would convince myself I could do something. So it's not exactly a little bit of each. I'd be like, oh, this one's going to be a little more sprite heavy. <laughs> Try and finesse it. And I don't think anything ever came. <laughs> um, but I never ordered that. It was only if you had self-serve. So. Yeah, I, I did that a couple times. I remember thinking, I can't decide what to get. Well, I'll get them all. And then immediately realized my mistake. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't, it doesn't really scratch any of those itches. No. You really should pick. <laughs> Well, I think you can do two. I think you can do two. There are some yeah. great drinks out there like uh -oh. the Arnold Palmer and things like that. But it's exactly let's mix two things together. If it's like let's mix eight things together, well, you're not going to get anything. No, you're not going to get anything. You're going to get gray. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy. There's a line in Be Our Guest, the, the Disney song called the beer guest song from Disney. There's a line that says, "Try the gray stuff; it's delicious." Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast, so I don't know what the gray stuff looked like, but I assume it looked like gray stuff. At Disney World, you can go have a Beauty and the Beast themed. I think it's tea or whatever, but it's one of the various meals with characters things, and they have, among other things, gray stuff that apparently is really good. I don't know what it is. I didn't go. Anyway, one time I'm making mashed potatoes and I really like to cook them till they fall apart and whip them up till they're just sort of, I, I like them to be more like whipped potatoes. And I also like to put a lot of dairy in there. So I think I put in some, some cream cheese and some butter and stuff like this and all this. And then to season it, I put in salt, but I put in uh, black volcanic salt that I have. Mm. So I thought it'd be really good. And it was, it was super tasty. It did then turn the entire thing into a uniform gray paste, which mm. I then attempted to serve to my wife. And the only way I could get by is by saying, try the gray stuff. It's delicious. 
Because it was. It was very delicious. But that's also when we learned that Trish and I look for different things in our mashed potatoes. And it may be the uh, wedge issue that destroys our marriage eventually. <laughs> we'll have to see. All right. Very we, different takes on Are we ever going to talk about candy, though? Azure Talent really wants us to talk about candy. All right. Go for it. So I used to be hugely into candy. Not that I ate a lot of it. I just thought it was interesting how many types there were. And I would try different kinds, but I, I didn't have a lot of candy around or whatever. I just thought candy was, I don't know, fun and interesting. And I try some and if I liked it, maybe I'd buy it again. But, you know, I've never really been that much into sweets outside of like, you know, donuts and cookies and stuff. But anyway, when I was a kid, my the, one of my favorite candies was, and I probably talked about them already, dinosaur eggs. And they were just, uh, they were just, uh, uh, they, they came in a box and when you took it out, it looked like a little egg and they were just, uh, a jawbreaker really where, you know, if you sucked on it, it would change flavors and change flavors until it got to a center that was like a, um, you know, that, you know, those, those, uh, lollipops that are just made of like powder, like hardened powder or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. was what that's what was at the middle of yeah. these things. So it this was sour. sounds just like an egg-shaped sour gobstopper. That's exactly what it was. But for some reason, I liked them better than well, sour is a thing. Sour yeah, is, that's part so of this it. day is very powerful in the candy world. And I could have sworn at that, at that time, and this was in the 80s, uh, it was a Wonka product, or you know, it was it was marketed as a Wonka thing. Yes. And I don't remember who owned Wonka back then. I think Nestle owns I mean, them now. It it came up recently in a in a Macaroy Brothers thing. It's it the answer is complicated. Uh Wonka has been owned by a variety of people, and the products that were in the Wonka line have been split in some cases, and so some things are different no longer. Um, but I really, really and like I think those... technically the people who own the rights to the term wonka in terms of candy right now are essentially doing almost nothing with it even though there's a big movie coming out um sorry i digress i think i remember seeing these i don't think i remember having them but the term dinosaur egg like and i also was big into candy i ate a lot of it too but a very (laughs) common thing in my youth was let's walk to the 7-eleven or the circle k yeah yeah me too too a Slurpee or an Icy and we'd get a bunch of candy. And sometimes we frequently, it was a very economic, it, it was very complicated. We didn't have spreadsheets, but it was like, okay, I have five bucks. Yeah, right. It's going to cost me a buck for the Slurpee. What am I getting? How can I get the most out of my four bucks? And that was back when we still had penny and nickel candy on the bottom shelf. And that was a factor. Um, but then there were certain kinds you wanted to get well, my high school was just a half a block away from a store um, that was that was on the square, was on Melcher Square, and it was still an old fashioned store with you know wood floors and a and a candy counter with the with the glass, and you could look in there and point to the guy, tell him what you wanted. Yeah. And um, so you know, if I ever had any money, and it would it would never be five dollars; it would be like uh, maybe a dollar, maybe seventy five cents. I would go there and just get really one thing, maybe two. And um, they had they had all kinds of uh, 
you know, they didn't just have the stuff you could find because Casey's was catty corner from there. You could find everything there, Snickers, Butterfinger, but there was some sort of unique candies that they had that you couldn't get. You said Butterfinger, but. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I could get dinosaur eggs there. I could get Jolly Ranchers there in the, they used to have the long flat sticks. I don't think they even have those anymore. Yes. Which I, I think I have seen them, although they might be smaller now. Those were the worst idea. <laughs> like, let's have a piece of hard candy, but have it be like five inches long. Like, there's no best case scenario. Your hand is still just coated, but because you, you're <laughs> doing it, you're eating like a banana or a popsicle, and even if you wrap the end, which some kids didn't, some kids are just like, oh, yeah, yeah. But like, I remember even as a kid, and I would buy them. But being like, these are really messy. This this was poorly engineered. Um, but usually, if I so, that's the time in my life where I would maybe find a candy that I I could meet someone who doesn't come didn't come from a small town that had a hundred year old candy. Uh, uh, display or whatever might not know the candies that i'm getting there but the only time i hear of of unusual or unique candies or exotic candies or whatever is when i hear of some candy that's made in some other country and i which is the common one and i don't really i don't run into those on a day-to-day basis and i don't eat as much candy even as i used to back then which was admittedly not very often uh there's a european grocery store in Iowa City, and I've meant to check it out for a while. And so at the holiday season, I went. And unfortunately, it's not got British stuff, so no jelly babies for me. Um, jelly babies might be my favorite candy in the world. I don't know. They're really good. Um, it's mostly appears to be sort of an Eastern European grocery. Mm. And it's funny because I sent a bunch of things to different people. Uh, and I was talking to my sister on Christmas and I said some of it came from this. She says, that explains it because there's this weird, exotic, gourmet Kit Kat looking thing. And we were like, what is this? Is this like British or what? And it turns out it's made in like Serbia or something. Mm. <laughs> like, but it was tasty. Um, all right, let me hit my big ones because going to the convenience store and buying candy is a large part of my adolescent identity. Um, I'm just now realizing that it's kind of sad, but there it is. Uh, nickel nips, the little wax soda bottles. Mm. I loved those conceptually, and I bought them often. I have to phrase it that way because even as a child, I don't think I remember thinking they tasted good. Because they didn't. They were they were wax cola bottles that had different colors inside, and it was basically just syrup, and it was not good. But something about the wax bottle, and you bite it open. It didn't have a lid. You literally tore into the wax, and you would drink it, and then you would have the wax, and you would chew on the wax and things like that. That's well, probably what it was. It was probably one of the better oral fixation-based candies out there. I mean, I don't think you were supposed to drink it. I think you're just supposed to chew it up. And then the flavor gets infused in the wax, 
and it it's kind of a then it it becomes kind of a short a, a relatively short lasting gum pretty soon it's just the wax which you can't really swallow and then you have to spit it out then why do you make it pop bottles it's a well because it's a gimmick it's a it's like you know those candies that have that or those gum there's gum that has a uh liquid inside and you chew it and it sort of squirts out while you chew yes. it it's yes. supposed to it's supposed to create that kind of sensation but if you chew it it like i said it infuses the wax so you chew the wax for a little bit longer until the flavor goes away and then it's just that kind of gross wax and then you spit it out See, i don't think uh, i'm not sure i buy this because i feel like sometimes i did just like put the whole thing in and bite it and it doesn't infuse like it's it's too thin it immediately mm. is just you're drinking it whether you like it or not. Mm. Mm. But to be fair, this was 30 some odd years ago. Um, well, there were other wax and there candies that were like that. There were other wax See, candies. That the were like only that other wax chew. candies I can think of are like wax lips that had almost no flavor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The whole deal was just like I never was into those. Yeah. Um. Which is again surprising because I like chewing on stuff, but they I still make those some of those wax things like I, those. I think they do. Um, yeah. I don't like them, but I think they do. Um, sixlets, which still exist, are not particularly obscure. I love them. They are little tiny colored balls, and they are delicious. And there are two reasons why they are delicious. One. The candy shell actually has some flavor. So it's not like M&M's where if you closed your eyes, you couldn't tell what color you were eating. Like they're actually a little different. But the big one, and I've never encountered anything else like this. Sixlets have chocolate in them. And carob. I don't know why. Carob is a chocolate substitute. Often, yeah. So I don't know why, like, somebody who can't eat chocolate still can't eat these, but there's carob. <laughs> I didn't understand this until years later. I just knew that cichlids were a kind of chocolate that was different. I liked it. And now I realize that it's this weird combination of chocolate flavor and carob mixes in just a way that I, I to this day, I really like those. I really like cichlids. Also, when I was growing up, there was this thing called... Um... I forget what it's called. It came in a it came in a package where you had this sweetened powder, and then there was this other white yes chalk like uh, thing you dip in several something. names, um, based on region and based on the brand versus the product. But the two terms that will potentially ring a bell to you are either lickamade or fun dip. Fun dip, I think it was here, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yes. Loved these. Loved these. So then we started taking Kool-Aid packs. And if you if you made the Kool-Aid without the water, that's what you had. You had that, you had that dip. You just put like if, if making Kool-Aid Kool powder was two, and a shit ton of sugar. Yeah, two cups of sugar or something, and you put that in a bag instead of a thing of water. That was that dip. And then you could just, you know, dip a spoon or that's something you genius want, that's so we, genius i just, love that we just made our own but we didn't I, have a, a candy thing to dip it in but yeah yeah but also those are those were nothing well those, those taste like but, vanilla so then, you, then you had the pixie stick is what you had you had pixie stick yes, filling is yes. what you had 
And so you can just eat it, um, which we did sometimes. Well, because that's the thing. When I would take the little stick, you know, you lick it and then and it puts a little fight. That was not enough for me. <laughs> so I would get to where I would like get in there and like, and it'd be like a heaping pile on the top. And I would frequently miss <laughs> my mouth. And I don't remember originally what the third flavor was. But eventually it became a grape one. I think a strawberry one. Maybe it was grape, strawberry, and orange originally. But eventually one of those was replaced by color and flavor changing one. Specifically, it was blue and it tasted like blue raspberry. And then after a second, it turned green and it tasted like green apple. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, that does sound cool. Um, And then I think this was to compete with the fun size bars or whatever. You could sometimes get one that was just a single stick and a single flavor of powder. The traditional one was two sticks and three flavors of powder. Mm. But they had like individual ones for holidays and stuff like that. Um, Those were good. And and I think those still exist, too. And those are also incredibly unhygienic. And there was a uh, there was this thing you could get. It was it was about a foot long, and it was it was it was caramel and chocolate. I think it was called a marathon. Do you remember those? Uh, marathon was the name of Snickers in the UK for many um, many years. No, I think there was some, something called it was it was just it and it was kind of a kind of a plated design of caramel and chocolate. And it was about this long, and the caramel was very chewy, kind of like slow pokes. Did you ever have slow pokes? Which was I mean, a, I know of them. I don't think I ate them, but yeah. Um, their slow pokes are very similar to shoot, uh, sugar daddy, or I get yeah. was a that's really hard and chewy. There's another some. There's another brand that's just like it, but anyway, Cowtails is. Nowadays does that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Which that's right. I think Cowtails is fairly recent, but that's the one you see these days, yeah. But the 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 marathon bar was like that, except it was that that kind of chewy caramel covered in chocolate, and it was like a like I said, like a plated or like a braided design, relatively flat and about this long in the package, about a foot long in the package. I mean, they ever type no, on TV. I never heard of this. I think you imagined it. <laughs> Not sure why they called um, them that. So it took them a long time to eat them, I guess. Let's let's talk about licorice. Mm. Yeah. I mean, full start here. Let's just do black licorice feelings. Are you a black uh, licorice person? I don't. I mean, I think I am now. I I didn't dislike it ever in my life, but I wouldn't have like picked it. Now I think I would. And is and I'm kind of confused actually by the whole thing because to me, licorice was a way, a, a style of making candy or how, the way the candy looked. It wasn't like just one flavor. Whereas now I feel like only the black stuff's licorice. Everything else is something else. But am I wrong about that? I Maybe I don't. For the first time ever, you're making me regret that my dad's dead. <laughs> what are you talking about? But I do like... <laughs> Black licorice. My now. dad would go on about this because I was a big fan of red licorice. Okay. And my dad used to love to say that's not actually licorice. Licorice is tied to that flavor. And black licorice is the only actual licorice. 
Yeah, I, and everything else. See. He would talk about this with like white chocolate in the same way. Um, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I, I, I think that is true. I think originally licorice was a flavor. And yeah, it got co-opted because people were like, what if we make something similar but doesn't taste like garbage? <laughs> Let's also you, call it licorice. You don't like black licorice, huh? I no, I've never liked black licorice. Yeah, and I've gotten like fooled. It. So many candies in my youth were secretly licorice. Mm. Uh uh good and plenty's were the real tricky one. They're, they're some, so bright some whatever. And root beer yeah, hard uh, candy. Some root beer hard candies are really just licorice, I've noticed. Right, some, right. Yeah. Uh and I know some country, I think Finland. Uh, Scandinavian general is really obsessed with licorice and specifically salted licorice. Yeah, I've heard that. Which I don't even think I've ever had it, but all right. So let's set that aside. Let's set all the new flavors aside nowadays. You know, you get wallabies, soft Australian green apple, and Twizzlers does a red licorice. Twizzlers or red vines? And answer very carefully. The future of the podcast may depend on how you answer this. <laughs> well, um, see, I'm not a big fan of red licorice anyway. Oh, so okay. I'm not sure that I would. I think I think Twizzlers red licorice seems to not have a lot of flavor, and it's a little too chewy. So, so just about any other brand besides them and red licorice, I think I would prefer. But I mean, there really are only red vines and and Twizzlers these days. Well, then that's even the if only you other see another version, it either tastes like a Twizzler or tastes like a red vine. Sure. Because I, I mean, good on you. I shall allow you to it because uh, that is the <laughs> correct answer. Um, there weren't Twizzlers. When I grew up, I mean, there probably were, but that was not. If you had licorice, you had and what was very common that you could buy in like concession stands and stuff like that is a rope of red licorice, like and in Wayne's World. Very possibly, I haven't seen it, but very possibly. Um, and it was about a foot long, and it wasn't like a red vine in terms of texture. It didn't have a hole in the middle. It was a very solid piece of licorice. But I would say the flavor was similar to red vine. Hmm. And that is the flavor of much. And now if I get red vines, that it has that sense of memory. Um, I have always found Twizzlers to taste like plastic with a hint of fruit. Yeah, me too. Like uh, I on rare occasion have eaten them because because that's the thing. They're winning. Like, yeah, that's what you can Twizzlers find, yeah. is the most popular by yeah. a hefty margin. And yeah. and I don't blame people because if you didn't red vines have a very specific sort of flavor. And if you didn't like that flavor, that would be terrible. And it's very different from Twizzlers. So I don't necessarily blame anyone. But to me. It just tastes like plastic. And I, I have them every once in a while because everybody else loves them. So like when we go to Virginia Beach, there's always Twizzlers in there. And every once in a while, I grab one and like, maybe I'll try again. And there are variations 
I've had the rainbow flavored ones and some of those flavors are better. They're still kind of plasticky. The pull and peel ones are a little different. They, they make variations, but straight Twizzlers kind of fruity plastic. Do not. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's my experience with them also. Not a fan. Now, I have one for you you might be too old for. Rock candy? No. Uh, treacle? No. Uh, just just a mashed up sugar beet. Uh, no zots. Yeah, zots. Do you know yeah, zots? zots? Sure. I don't know what age I was, but I do remember a time before zots and a time after zots. <laughs> and zots were weird because they were kind of a bandolero. Yeah, they. They were individually wrapped, but you could get them in like... But they were hooked in like six yeah. in a line. That's right. And I think they said like fizzing candy or exploding candy or something. Yep. We were like, yep. what the hell? So we got them and we put them in our mouth. It's just a hard candy. It was not bad hard candy. They were tasty. And we're walking home and I don't remember which one of us, but one of my friends was like, oh my God. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, it just broke in my mouth. And then it became an obsession. Yeah. So for a while, we were getting zots and like trying to suck the stuff out or like see how long you could go before you hit the middle because it was this big sour thing inside that fizzed. Mm -hmm. And I thought those were the most fun things for for a long time. I kind of forgot about those. Yeah. That's what this is all about. This is the joy that Azure Talon has brought us. Butterfinger butt. I don't, I think zots had been around for a little while. Yeah, Before I, I suspect they just didn't come to where I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, we could get Zots and when I was a kid. Because I remember I remember when we experienced Zots. I don't know how old I was. I mean, I was and old Pop- enough to walk to 7-Eleven, so I was probably at least 8 or 9. And Pop Rocks, too, yep. which were really popular for a brief time and then... They were and gone. then not, no. and then they've they've had cycles. I think you can still get them now, but they're not particularly big now. But they had a resurgence a couple of times. Technically, the initial Pop Rocks boom was before I was old enough to give a shit. I think. Oh, um, yeah, I was pretty young when Pop Rocks were a thing, and I did think those were fun. Uh, there was also a phase where they were putting them in other things. There was like a Pop Rocks chocolate bar and stuff. It it didn't work. Do you think so? I just remember. I think one of the reasons I've always been fascinated by candy is because some people do the things like zots and other things that are so interesting. And actually, you're right. the the pla- the 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 wax soda bottle thing that's interesting. That's very creative. And then when the Willy Wonka movie came out and he's making all these, you know, almost magical candies or whatever, that fit with your experience of going to the candy store because there was a lot of stuff like that. Is there less stuff like that now? I wonder. I mean, I'm not really into candy like I used to be, but it feels like no. I think there still is. Well, and actually, here's the funny bits of this. So, if you go, which I do on rare occasion, to a store like Joanne Fabrics or uh, a lot of craft stores, in general, I'll put it this way: a place where a mom might like to go for fun that a child would definitely not like to go to. Sure, right. 
So it's a lot of craft stores, but Joanne Fabrics is the one I know. By the cash register, they have candies. And it's very clearly, like the whole thing is just so transparently, parents are like, if you're good, when we get there, you can get something. And there have been a lot of interesting ones because Trish would get them for me because I would go with her to Joanne's as boring as shit. But then I got to get candy and now it's become a thing. I don't usually go with her, but like if for some reason she goes, she buys me a, a thing there and the weirder, the better for me. So I've, there's ones, there's a lot of ones involving sour. So like the baby bottle pops were big where there's just a little, like there's a heart. It's a, it's, it looks like a bottle, like a baby bottle, but oh. the nipple is hard candy oh. and inside is, is uh powder and it's kind of a liquid thing. So you're mm. supposed to like dump it in and then you suck on it for a while. And, oh, that's interesting. Um, there were versions similar to that with a uh, paintbrush candy looking thing. Uh, Necco wafers. Do we all remember Necco wafers? Necco wafers sure. went away and then came back. Um, mm, yep, I always Necco thought wafers. Necco wafers were the candy for if I had been bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's yeah. the thing. I obviously I'm not Catholic. I am not anything. I have never accepted communion. Necco wafers are what I imagine the body of Christ tastes like. Like I think the clove flavored one specifically, because yes, one of the Necco wafer flavors is clove. Oh, I think the body of Christ tastes like a clove Necco wafer. I've always assumed. Well, I'm pretty sure you're wrong about that, but that's very interesting. The flavor. Or the flavor, yes. So it's a different Necco wafer, is what you're saying. The body of Christ tastes like a different flavor of Necco wafer, like the wintergreen oh or the chocolate God. one that oh didn't taste God. like anything. I mean, I'm not Catholic, and even I'm feeling uncomfortable. With this. You don't know. He was like, eat of these Necco wafers. For they are my body. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, on Mock the Week years ago, James A. Caster did a bit. It was, it was things you're un, you wouldn't read in the Bible. And he had one. He said, and Jesus brought to the ball and passed out cans of Dr. Pepper and said, drink of these, for they are my body. Because, yes, that's my full name, Dr. Jesus Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> so oh wow that's pretty good we watched a weird ass show last night on hulu called drag me to dinner hmm. let me let me paint you a picture okay neil patrick harris uh-huh. his husband david burka who I always thought of as just a pretty face on the e-network, but apparently does cooking. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, Murray Hill, who is an actor we have just discovered in somebody somewhere who is like, if an old vaudeville man just came to life in 2023, he's amazing. I also think he's trans, but whatever. Um, Some famous drag queen I've never heard of. And 
an actress who has shown up in Murderville and Hell- do you remember the lady who was dating Hank Azaria in Hello Tomorrow? Yes. Is her. Oh. So She's these good. people She's really good. Are just on a TV show. Hmm. And each episode they bring in two pairs of drag queens. And they have a set amount of time to turn a blank blank empty living room into a party and then all of those people i mentioned go to each party and judge them and then somebody wins a golden cheese grater at the end it's a reality show and it's a reality show about making a fun dinner party but you're drag queens it's, i enjoyed it. it i don't i have to dance around this very quickly i i love drag as an art form and an entertainment form and I am very into the expression people can do and playing around with their gender via drag. It's great. I I could t- I have some drag queens that I'm really fans of. I think they're wonderful. Overall, the comedy and humor associated with the drag communities often to me seems very focused on genital-based puns. <laughs> For lack of a but it's a lot of puns about naughty bits. And I don't I don't know. Like and this is why, like, I've only ever seen one episode of Drag Race. And the only reason we watch that is because Kumail and his wife were judges. And so we watched an episode. Like, I, I think it's great, is wonderful. It's not my thing, from what I can tell. And admittedly, I haven't dove too deep into it but it's just it's a lot of jokes about how people are are have genitals and i get I, i'm just not it's not that funny well as i my understanding and i i probably have the least understanding of anybody but my understanding is it's just a it's just a form of burlesque so it's it's kind of inherently blue i guess is what i understand yeah, yeah. so I mean, what you're saying is seems to track yes. what I'm. You also could argue it's a form of stand up in a lot. It's it's a very sort of multi hyphenate kind of thing. Sure, a sure, lot sure. of drag queens now have tours, and in the tours they do stand up, they do some songs, they do some set pieces, variety. Sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're very in that, and so it is. It is overall not my thing, um, in terms of the content. Like I love drag queen, and again, I think we recently talked about how there was that. That drag, the drag queen, Brendan Lee Mulligan ran some drag queens through D&D for the first time. And that mm. was a great time. I had a great time with that. It was wonderful. But I don't really care about this. So I wasn't really interested. But Trish kind of made me watch it. <laughs> and I don't understand how much this matches up with like other shows of this type. But I get out of it thinking it was a real fun time. And I don't think Trish did. It is very open about its awkwardness <laughs> like things just go wrong and it just happens and there's lots of times with people being like i don't even understand what's going on right now. <laughs> and i don't know i found that really fun it is very much a little goes a long way um i think we will wait a while to watch another episode uh kind of you know there's a lot of shows like nailed it uh is it cake netflix has a ton of these shows that are real fun to watch like one episode every week or so. Right. Um, and so I think we will take our time, but it was pretty fun. 
Oh, but it did remind me, I watched the Christmas special of Doctor Who. with So the first official one with the new Doctor. Oh, yeah, we haven't and seen And Disney, yeah, it's on Disney Plus, and Disney Plus is going to take over the distribution now. So in spring, when the new season starts, it's just on Disney Plus, which I'm excited about because I usually had to wait like a year for it to show up on Max because I don't have BBC America. So I'm kind of excited about that. We did too, yeah. Um, I am really curious to see how this new Doctor goes. Um, Mm. He is very different. Mm. Uh, He is quite young. He is... He is giving off a ton of queer energy, which to be fair, the actor is queer, but like he literally the outfit we saw him in to begin with was an actual he's a he's a he's a young black man. And he was dressed in what we in America would call a wife beater vest and a kilt and dancing with a bunch of guys on the dance floor. And like that was his introduction. It was so incredibly not a Doctor Who and things he he's called like he he's very physical there's a whole scene where he's like essentially running along rooftops beside somebody while having banter and he's literally like i'm sure they had stuff but you see he's vaulting things himself um he's very he's very emotional in a way that i'm really enjoying i don't know he just feels very different he feels very young and very queer in a way that none of the other doctors have felt to me and i'm very excited for that uh, also, his companion so far seems really cool. Um, they have done a few things. This is this is the problem when you're dealing with a TV show that's been on the air for 60 years. How many different ways can the doctor bump into a new, generally speaking, young woman and have her accidentally find out he's a time travel and have her decide she wants to go with him time travel? Like, there's only so many. But they kind of mixed it up this time in a way that I kind of enjoyed. Um, so, no, I am excited for that. So. But yeah, go mm-hmm. check out the special. It's pretty fun. It's also got some good visual effects. It's, it's got some really good practical effects that I enjoy. So. Good. Uh, yeah, we're over time now. I don't know why I'm I'm avoiding. I think I probably have some dishes. I don't know. Something. <laughs> As what this podcast has always been for me is 13 years of getting out of my chores. Ironically, <laughs> by doing a bunch of extra work. But... Um, if you'd like to join us in 2024, uh, write in the magical talking hat at gmail.com and tell us all of your 2024 observations or concerns or hopes or dreams or manifestos. Um, also, go to the blog magical and comment. Uh, William doesn't pay attention. I usually do. Um, I'm just, uh, I'll get to it uh, soon. I promise. Uh, please don't leave. Um. Also, listen next week. We will do this again, and the week after that. And I mean, it's it's going to keep going like this. So, um, enjoy it, or no, just enjoy it. Don't no other options. Yet another mystery solved by the hosts of the Magical Talking Hat. Do you have a question that begs to be answered? Then please write the hat at themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com That's themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com Also, visit the hat at themagicaltalkinghat.com The music for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod 
of Incompetech.com.